Hi, I'm Nicholas Seminario, founder of Dark Angel Company. This podcast is to share the untold stories of just a few of the many people battling mental illnesses in this world. If you're in need of a little inspiration to keep fighting or to feel less alone in your battle, keep listening and share to spread awareness. This is the Dark Angel Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dark Angel Podcast. Today we are with Max Graywall. Hey, how's it going guys? So Max actually took a trip down from Florida to be here today, so thank you very much for that. Of course, man, anytime. Um, so me and Max go a few years back. We uh, played some high school baseball together. Um, Max is a very good friend of mine. Um, so he's going to be sharing his story with mental illness and the things he has had to go through to better his life. So if you want to get into your mental illnesses, you know, we'll start with that and we'll take it from there. So when I was younger, uh, I had, I was definitely, was a point in my life where I was a little bit depressed. Uh, I still have a lot of anxiety, social anxiety, um, as I'm sure everyone does to some degree. Uh, I went to therapy when I was younger for my anxiety and stress. I would let outside situations affect me way too much. I didn't have a great support system. I didn't surround myself with the best people growing up either. So anything that I kind of went through, I went through alone or I felt like I was alone, whether or not I actually was. And how old were you when you first started the therapy? I started therapy right around 14, 14, 15 years old. Okay. And what was your initial reasoning to go into therapy? Was there something that caused it or... Was it you who thought, hey, I need I need to go talk to someone? Or? I think it was a combination of different things. It had a lot to do, obviously, with what I was going through and where I was mentally in my maturity uh, throughout life. And, and it also had to do with the support system I had. Uh, I didn't have anybody I felt I could comfortably talk to about that stuff. And so I tried therapy. I didn't like it. It didn't work out well for me. Um I think with a better therapist, potentially it would have, but the way I was kind of raised or taught to deal with problems was to fix it yourself. So it was also hard for me to kind of rely on somebody. Okay. Do you want to get into what that event was, you know, prior to the therapy? It was a combination of different things. Uh, one of them was breakup ironically you know the old 14 year old (laughs) 13 year old me whatever that was but um i don't remember who that was with but that was that was an interesting point in my life but it was that mixed in with uh, i had a little bit of problems at home i didn't get along well with my parents as i'm sure you know every 14 year old doesn't um to go along with that I was at a weird point. I had a falling out with a couple of my really close friends. Um, and it kind of, it was in a bad place and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I didn't know where to turn. And thankfully my mom directed me to therapy because it taught me how to healthily, healthily deal with my problems. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very, very awesome. Um, and I'm glad she did help you and give you that outlet. Um, if you don't mind, can we get into, you know, what was going on at home and, you know, what your day-to-day was and what really caused you to feel that way? My day-to-day, so right around 14, it was wake up, school, whatever sports I played after school. And then I just, I'd sit at home. You know, we were in front of the screens a lot too. Uh, You know, we went to Kellenberg, they had the iPads and it was a great tool. 
like helped me stay organized and I wasn't a very organized person growing up. I was mm-hmm. all over the place. You know, room was always a mess. Everything I had was just messy. Um, so mentally I was cluttered too. So the iPads helped, but what I didn't realize the effect was until probably of recent, uh, of the, you know, ha- being in front of a screen all the time is you get it. You almost get addicted to it. And I w- almost, I got into the routine of, you know, I'd go to school, I'd wake up and we woke up early to get there. It was a little far away from where I lived. You know, we're in front of the screen from the second you get on the bus in the morning to, uh, you know, till, till bedtime. And then you're on it all day during class. And the screens I've found can put me in a bad place mentally, just staring at the screen. And I don't know what it is about them. And I would like to learn about it, but it just, it put me in a bad place. Uh, I, I felt depressed. I felt like I couldn't do anything. Anytime I tried to be active, I was tired um, along those lines. At home, I didn't get along great. There was a lot of arguing, which isn't great. There was no healthy... I didn't. I never was taught a healthy way to deal with things um, at home with relationships. And that was the biggest struggle I had. And on top of that, I just left all of my friends in my last, in my town to go to another school where I knew, you know, maybe four or five people. So that was also a huge adjustment for me. I guess help put me in the bad place. Yeah. Now you said you, you did have depression. So if you want to get into that, what events leading up to that, what really caused it? And if you want to really dive into that. So I don't think it was necessarily one event. I think it was a combination of the habits that I had, you know, the sitting in my room all day. I didn't go out and I was comfortable with that. I'm a very, uh, creature of your habitat, creature of my habitat. I like my alone time. Yeah. I like my solitude. It's where I find myself again. And I knew that I knew deep down that I liked my solitude, but I didn't know to what degree solitude balanced out with you know going out and being social and hanging out with friends and all that stuff uh was like where that balance was and i think that's where i struggled and that's where i kind of failed um which you know it's okay because that happens that's part of life you know you're gonna mess up you're gonna do things that make life suck for a little bit um so in terms of my childhood there's still things obviously that i have yet to face so this conversation will make me face them. But in terms of childhood, my f- parents were great people. They raised me well. They raised me with ambition. They raised me with morals. And for that, I'm very grateful. But certain ways they went about things, deep down, it, it caused problems for me. And, you know, some a lot of those problems I'm still facing. And I've recently, in the past six months, started to really reflect and call myself out on things and challenge myself to be better and it's in turn it's made me a better person but it's also made my relationships with people and my parents and my family as a whole better because I'm more understanding I'm more forgiving and I can see that people no one's perfect yes and you know for the longest time I thought that there was a level of perfection that everyone should try to achieve. 
And that may have been because of the way that my parents went about things. And do you mind and, getting into that? You know, yeah, what yeah. they. I'll get into that just as I just want to say before I get into that, my parents are great people. Mm-hmm. They raised me well. And I don't want this to be a poor reflection on them by any means because no all. one ever shows you how to be a parent. Yeah, exactly. They throw you into the fire. Totally. So, you know, you're stuck with what you get. And I don't mean that in the way that I had bad parents, but. You know, they do the best they can with what they know. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they know are the things they've experienced. Exactly. And, you know, to get into the way that they did things and how it affected me, a lot of it was the arguments. And the arguments that we had weren't really over anything that serious. It was more the, the arguments that that were less serious that actually got to me more. Because when we would argue about the little things it would always blow up into a big fight where it was just uncomfortable to be at home. And it's why, you know, I live down in Florida now. I'm never in my apartment. I don't want to be. And I think that's part of that. That definitely stems back to when, you know, the arguments that we had not wanting to be around that. That's why I always occupied myself. I'd just go out, go for a walk, bike ride, go to the gym, whatever it was. I'd just get out of the house. Um, it made me a very standoffish person at times. Um, it made me believe that, you know, when I get caught up in the heat of the moment, not everyone gets caught up that way. Not everyone's going to retaliate or respond that way. Not everyone's looking to have something to say about something that I'm doing. There were a lot of times that no matter how good I did, I felt like it just wasn't quite enough. It didn't meet their standards because not everything was perfect. Do I think they could have went about it differently? Yes. Do I think that they knew at, in that moment? No. Um, and that's hard for a kid to No one's going to know that. You don't know yeah. that until yeah. later. You yeah, know? totally. And I'm still working on my relationship with both my parents. When I was younger, my dad was gone at medical school. He was deployed with the Navy. He wasn't around a whole lot. You know, he was still there. I love my dad very, very deeply. But, you know, he wasn't physically there a lot. And... That can also play a big role. You know, you spend too much time with someone. You get sick of them. doesn't matter who they are. You know, you get sick of them. Girlfriend, mother, friend, dog even. Just get, you know, get away from me. Well, every now and again. You know, it's just, and that's human nature. And, you know, me and my mom were around each other a lot. And we're very alike. And that's, we ended up clashing. Because we both, we both have to be right. You know, and I'm working on that. It has to be our way. And we never, it wasn't a healthy way uh, of, there there weren't a lot of healthy conversations, I should say. And we've gotten a lot better with that. And I think it starts with just kind of being brutally honest sometimes. And that was one thing I was always afraid to do because I was afraid it was going to start an argument. And that, that affected me in my relationships with, you know, girls growing up, like boyfriend, girlfriend scenarios. I didn't know how to communicate well. And I'm still working on it. And, you know, how how much sharing is too much sharing and how much time is too much time and all that stuff. And I think that's, we've come to repair it. But it's still, there's still like an uncertain, uncomfortable aspect to things. Um, when I was, so I lived in Arizona initially growing up and it was, we moved when I was, I'd say six. And I resented my parents for that so much because I had all my friends. I was leaving all my friends and 
making new friends was a really, really hard thing for me when I first moved here because I moved into a small town where kids had been, you know, you have your friends from birth. And my brother's lucky to have that now, and I'm really happy for him. But I didn't have that. It was hard for me to make friends. And, you know, even even some of those friends that I made growing up, I didn't always necessarily feel super close. You know, I enjoyed doing things with them. But on that deeper level, you know, when you feel like you connect with somebody, you just know you connect with someone. Yeah, it's just instant. It wasn't there yeah. in a lot of those friendships. And that's okay. You know, I don't, it doesn't mean I love them any less. It doesn't mean that they weren't good friends. They're great friends, mm-hmm. you know, and people grow apart. And I've learned to become okay with that because that I, was even a hard thing for me. Yeah. And do you think that also had an effect on even in your future, you know, with how you go about relationships or even with your parents and how you go about your relationship with them? What, what do you mean by that? Like what? what Where you were uprooted, you know, as a kid um, and you had to get thrown into this environment where maybe you felt like you couldn't give your, your all because you feel like, like you said, these kids got to grow up with these other kids and you didn't have that connection with them. Do you think you closed yourself off from that point on with maybe out even knowing? I guess so, yeah. I guess I did. Um, I never really thought of it like that. Yeah, I did to some degree. And it may... I guess I never really knew any. Di- I don't. I don't know any different now. I guess um, I've started to open myself up more. Um, I think what you're doing is great. Um, yeah, I think yeah, this even, is a- even now I'm trying to bring things to a deeper level. I catch myself kind of staying on the surface, um, and I'm trying to bring it to a deeper level. But yeah, I guess I never thought of it like that. It makes sense. Uh, I never. I don't like to open up until I can fully trust. Like there's like the, almost that. You don't have to say it, but there's that connection. Mm-hmm. There's that, like you said before, you just instantly connect to somebody. And I've started to, as I'm more open about who I am and more comfortable with who I am, I'm starting to find more genuine connections with friends and people and family and all those things. And it was hard. It still is because it's a, it's a choice every day, you know? And that's the part that you know, you kind of have to get comfortable with is just making that same choice every day. And there's some days you're not going to want to, and that's okay because you need a balance of everything. You know, it's hard to find a perfect balance. You know, you're going to do too much. You're going to do too little. And it did really close me off, you know, growing up. I always, I was comfortable with, you know, my one or two really close friends. (laughs) Excuse me. And I always was, I wouldn't say jealous, but I was fond of the big friend group, you know, the, the guy, the, the fr- people that had 15, 20 friends they could go hang out with. But at the same time, also, I was, I knew deep down, I wasn't comfortable with that yet. And I never knew to what degree. And I never knew how to fit, like how to fix it, I guess. And I'm still working on it, still struggling with it. But the heart, the best part about it is that I've identified it. And once I've been able to identify something, Normally you want, like if you notice a problem, you want to fix it. You know, it's uncomfortable to just sit there knowing that problem exists and not do anything about it. There's some days you don't have the energy to, and that's fine. But now that I've identified that I have, you know, these issues or these things from my past that still kind of hold up, have a hold over me, I've started to kind of free myself from them, just it's relieving. Which is awesome, you yeah. know, and that's a great way to look at things. And I really do think by you coming here today 
and hopefully helping other people who have gone through something similar. You know, it's it's really going to make a difference and you are going to be impacting people's lives. Um, so if you want to just really get into, you know, other events that led up to this, you know, 14-year-old going to therapy, you know, what else happened and what other events caused you to go to therapy? So I, uh, that's a... Great question, actually. So that led, led, leads me back to what I was saying before. Um, my parents were also very controlling. They needed to know everything I was doing. They needed to know where I was at all times. I had to be home by a certain time every single night. If I was a minute late, I was in trouble. I lost something. Something was taken away. Do I think that it created a a great relationship at the time? No. Do I respect it now? Absolutely. Do I think that it could be done differently? Do I think that you can establish those boundaries and that sense of responsibility in a different way? Yes. And I always didn't, I never liked the way that they did things. And I've come to respect it as I've gotten older, like I just said, but it made me very uncomfortable because I was not like there were certain social social situations where I wasn't you know, introduced yet. I hadn't been a part of certain activities or whatever it was. Just, I didn't have a lot of like social sociability because I had such a small window every day. If I even wanted to, or, you know, I couldn't watch certain things. I couldn't have certain things on my phone. My phone had to be turned in at a certain time. And, you know, after like, you know, after a certain time that that's when you kind of open up later at night, you get more comfortable with you know, emotions and things like that later at night too. For some reason, I don't know why it is. It's always been that way for me. And so when I didn't have my phone, I always just felt like I was missing out, you know, to some degree. Like my, uh, I used to take it, I think at like eight o'clock, eight o'clock, like eh, go to bed at nine, all that stuff. All my friends are up till, you know, 11, 10, 11, you know, 10, 11 12, yeah. one o'clock in the morning. And at a certain point, do I think you need to be like, all right, put the phone down. Yeah. But absolutely. But, I was never able to make that decision for myself. Mm -hmm. So when I finally got that freedom, I overdid it. Yeah. I overdid it. And it led to even more uncomfortability. It's like when you first, it's like your first time at a party or you partying with older people or you go out with, you know, an older group of people or, you know, even say your first time going out to a bar, everyone's uncomfortable. Your first time drinking at a party and they're like pressuring you to do things. No one teaches you how to deal with that. No one teaches you the right way to deal with that. You know, if you don't want to do something and you have a hard time saying no, but you're going to get in trouble for it later or something like that, it gets very difficult. And a lot of our problems are not our problems. A lot of my problems, because I can only speak for myself in social situations are a lot of my problems in general have come from the anxiety I get in social situations. Even now, I don't like going to the gym if there's too many people there. It stresses me out. It makes I don't enjoy the workout as much. I don't even want to be there. There's times I've shown up, seen too many people, turned around and went back home to come back when I know it's not going to be busy. I under I understand that. I actually, you know, am very similar in that aspect. I do not like social situations, you know, and you're a very outgoing person, you know, but that doesn't mean... You don't have those things. Yeah. You know? Or you're even very open. Yeah. Outgoing doesn't necessarily mean open. Exactly. You know, exactly. and that's, I think that's how I've masked it over the years. Mm -hmm. um, 
I've made myself very friendly on the exterior, on the surface. I've made myself appear a certain way. And not that I'm not any, that I'm a complete opposite of who I am or what I show to people, but that's not, that's not, you know, like I, I, sh- I put off a certain image for a reason, almost to kind of deflect the deeper level. And do I think that's required to a certain degree? Yeah. But to the degree that I was doing it, where I almost was completely closing myself off at times too, it wasn't good. And I think that's part of why I didn't do well in therapy when I did it, because I didn't have this same kind of reflection. Yeah. Uh, you need, you need to be honest. To have. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. need to be able to be honest. And if you can't be honest with yourself, then nothing you're going to do is going to, you're just going to keep wandering. You're not going to know where you're going. You're going to be lost. You know, and you're going to feel lost too. And that's the, that's the hardest part, I think, for everyone. Totally. For people in is, general. Is that what maybe segued into your depression? Was it that feeling of being alone and, you know, maybe yeah. you felt strangled and you were lost yeah. and. I felt like I was, I was held down to a certain degree. Um, I always knew that I could free myself eventually. I always wanted, I was ready to move out. I moved out at 18. You know, I was ready. I was ready to go. And. That was probably the best choice I ever made. If you're in a situation where you feel trapped, leave. There's always a way. It may not be easy. It may take time. I know. You work a lot. You're a hardworking person. You had to do things yeah. to be able to do that. You're going to have to pay your dues at some point. If you want you want to better your situation, you're going to have to eat, eat it for a mm-hmm. little bit. You're going to have to pay your dues. You're going to have to do what it takes in order to get to that situation. For me, that paying my dues was, okay, you want to move out at 18? That's the way I look at it. You want to move out at 18? You want to be ready? Okay. You're going to have to just eat it. Any argument that comes, you have to do, you're living in your parents' house still. You have to do everything they ask the way they ask. You're not legally allowed to do those things yet. And that was the hardest part for me was I was so ready to be on my own and do things the way I wanted to do them because I didn't want to do them the way my parents wanted me to. And I struggled a lot with that. And that's probably what sent me. That was probably the tipping point right around that age was it, when it sent me. And I think the, the whichever relationship that was that ended that sent me over the top, that was just the breaking point. And I wasn't ready to be honest with myself. And I have, I had... I was very uncomfortable even being upfront with my parents about the way I felt about things because I was so closed off and, you know, for better or for worse, I'm not in that place anymore, which and is good. It's, it's good. Yeah. It's great. It's wonderful. I'm very happy now, but you know, you're still figuring you're out, you're still figuring it out. Yeah. Those moments don't go away. Mm-hmm. You know, so, they don't go away and you, you just come to, you learn to accept it. Yeah. And embrace it totally. because it's part of your story. Now, can we dive into that tipping point of your story if you if you want to get into it and yeah, really bring so us through? I, because of the way things went and the self-dependency I had, I didn't trust easy and I still don't. It takes a lot of, you know, okay, this this person really has my back. I can trust this this guy with my life. You know, and I had still to this day, I don't have, I don't have a, a whole lot of people, but because I took the time, not even took the time because I was so closed off, I almost made sure that I was surrounding myself with quality, quality of people over quantity. And now I have, you could say that bigger group, but they're just individuals in different 
areas of my life from different points in my life that I've stayed in touch with. And, you know, friends come and go, people come and go. And that, you know, the tipping point, to get back to your question, the tipping point that sent me over, um, I felt alone. That was, that was the tipping point. And I don't know if I necessarily knew that I felt alone. I just felt that way. And to not even know how I was feeling, that was the part that really, like I I went over the edge, right? When I felt alone. But what made me need to go to therapy was that I didn't even know that. I didn't know how I felt. And that's where the power of, you know, just self-reflection, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour of just quiet with your own thoughts somewhere where you're happy, where you, you find solitude and you find peace and you feel safe. And for me, it's the beach. You know, I live 15 minutes from the beach now in Florida and I go there quite frequently, maybe even once a day, twice a day. Sometimes if I'm really struggling, or I'll just get in my car, drive and listen to music and think that low point for me, I pulled myself out of it a little bit and I pulled myself out of it with baseball. Baseball for me became an outlet and ultimately I think that's I put too much on into baseball and I, I it became my only focus and I think that's what kind of doomed me in the baseball aspect because at one point I depended on it so much it was all I knew that really pulled me pulled me out of a dark place in my life that when that went away I fell into a really deep place deep dark place and yeah. that happened when I I had to have shoulder yeah. surgery. I was just going to ask you that like that had to have had a huge effect on your mental health um Max, who is an amazing pitcher, um, pitched for Kellenberg, great, great pitcher, wound up getting hurt his sophomore year? It was the, I ended up getting hurt the fall of my junior year. Okay. And up to that point, you know, just in talking with coaches and friends, I was told I had the possibility to play Division I baseball. And he definitely did. Definitely did. He was doing 86, 87 by the time he was in 10th grade. Whether or not that actually panned out, we'll never know, right? You know, I've hurt myself. I ended up tearing my elbow again recently. I have to get uh, an injection in my elbow and PT. It's the whole process over again. But I have a different attitude going into it this time because of what happened last time I got hurt. And before you get into this new attitude, take us through what you felt when you were given this news, when you were hurt, because I want I want everybody at home to feel what you felt, this this spiral effect. You know, you were already at a low, and then now you get this news, and you're now at a new low. I wouldn't say I was at a low when I when it happened. Okay. When, I, when it happened, I was at a, I was at a high point. Okay. I had pulled myself out of that. It was, give or take, it had been probably close to six months, and I was I was at the gym every day. I was outside. I was with friends. And I didn't realize like how important that was. And I, even at that point, I didn't. Um, I had met someone else who I was, who was just a good person. And you know, when you're just around good people, you feel better. They lift you up. So I felt really good. And then this happened and it just, everything spiraled down so quickly. Within, you know, a month I had had the surgery. And then shortly after, probably about a week after that, I had started the physical therapy. And I was in a sling and I couldn't even wipe my own butt. You know, that was, 
oh god that was bad that's, that's you know that's i had to sleep with the sling i couldn't even sleep comfortably the first night after the surgery i was in so much pain i didn't sleep um and that looking back on it now that was the best thing that ever happened to me in the moment i don't think i've ever been at a lower point in my life consciously because at that point you start to actually kind of see the big picture of things you get a good sense of you know okay this is the way the world's working a little bit you know you're in you're almost you're at the latter later half of high school and you're starting to get starting to get introduced into the real world and the way the real world works and it's shocking and it's not fun and when this happened to me i just i spiraled down my i was up I lost probably 25 pounds. I was, you know, 5'10", 140, 145 pounds. I was a stick figure. And, you know, coming from where I needed to be, athlete-wise, that was... I didn't see a way out. I was very depressed. I went home every day and just sat in bed. There was nothing I could do, you know? And I needed to go through that. I needed to go through all of that and it was it was very very difficult because I really did feel alone and that was the that was the most alone I think I've ever felt because you know I had friends oh I'm so sorry if you all oh, it sucks their lives kept moving on they can't wait for me you know and that was what I think I struggled with the most and it I had such a huge fear of like a huge FOMO like consistent FOMO when I wasn't a part of things because of the controlling aspect of my parents and that the injury forced me to kind of be like, all right, look, everyone's on their own time. Relax, slow down. It's going to be all right. You just have to be patient and you have to learn to appreciate the little things. And there's more to life than a sport or a relationship or doing chores and you know getting things done and i think that's that actually made my relationship with my parents worse even because get into that yeah because you know most people think oh you know you get you have more of an understanding i didn't get the understanding i just knew that there were there were things that i would rather be doing and i I was reaching and grasping for any straw i could have of happiness and and you know community and I had a great physical therapist who, you know, he knew that I was in the dumps. Anytime I was in the dumps, I could kind of shoot him a text and be like, hey, dude, I'm struggling. And he'd be like, all right, just next time you come in, we'll just kind of hang out. I'll go through the, the PT with you and I'll just kind of hang out. And it was great. That was, he was there at my lowest point, you know, and that, those are the people that, you know, I, I've seen him. He li- he actually lived a couple blocks away from me. Oh, okay, we never nice. really actually hung out or did anything. Mm-hmm. But in passing, I always say hi to him. And he had one of the greatest effects on me of, you know, someone at that point in my life. He had the greatest effect because I wasn't honest with anyone about what I was really going through. But I couldn't hide it from him because he saw it on my face when I had a really bad day of PT, when I couldn't lift my arm, when I would force my arm into a range of motion that I just didn't have yet. And I ended up hurting myself and actually delaying my recovery. It was supposed to be, you know, a four-month four to six-month recovery. I ended up making it, you know, eight months. And ultimately, I don't think I truly fully recovered as, you know, you don't when you have a surgery like that. But 
it was a very, very difficult time because I'd show up three times a week. I had no social life because I didn't have a car, right? So I'd get out of school at three o'clock, but I left school. I'd I'd wake up in the morning at 545 in order to shower, get my lunch together, my bags, get my uniform on. You know, you had to be clean shaven. Your hair had to be perfect and all that, whatever. You know, and all the stigma that comes, you know, the social pressure, peer pressure that comes, you know, just, just from being in that environment in high school. Mm-hmm. High school is a very toxic place. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it, you know, and it's not how the world works. And I didn't realize that. And I don't think you realize that until you leave. And that's okay. You know, but then you know, to go back to my schedule, you know, and then I go, we got out of school at three o'clock. I'd go to physical therapy and I'd have to Uber to physical therapy. Well, the issue there was at one point I even got banned from Uber. So I'd have to wait for a parent to come pick me up because I was too young to be riding Uber and they kicked me off Uber. (laughs) And, you know, now I'm waiting, you know, I don't get to physical therapy till four o'clock and then it's an hour, hour and a half. And then I started doing more. So it was two hours of PT three days a week. And so I would set up and get all my homework done on the Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday I had one day a week where I didn't have to do anything, and I was just exhausted. Yeah, that's tiring. You know, so I wasn't around people. I didn't have the uh, same opportunities to go out unless it was a Saturday night after I did everything I had to do, you know, and I still had all the chores at home. I have two younger siblings. I'd have to stay with them sometimes, which I didn't mind. You know, I like that sense of responsibility, you know, and I always have, and I think that, you know, people need a sense of responsibility, and... You know, that, that was probably what, pu- it It just, the circumstances pushed me to my lowest point. And now, do you think baseball also had an effect on that? Because obviously you were really, really good. You had all these, you know, future possibilities. Do you think in your head, you felt like that was almost your only purpose? And now yeah. you had no purpose. 100%. At one point, I, I actually, I told myself, this is what I was, this is what God put me on the earth to do was to play baseball and be able to give back in some way. Do I know what way yet? No. But that was how, that was what I thought I was put on, put on the earth to do. And, you know, even that comment about God, I wouldn't have made that comment, you know, two or three years ago, you know? Um, you know, I think whether or not you believe in something or nothing, there's something out there that is greater than all of us. There's something controlling it, whether it just, it's the way the world works or you believe in God or a God or and whatever you believe in, there's a there's something greater that there's a there's if you believe that something better will happen, something better will happen. You know, and it's the opposite too. When you're when you're down in the dumps, it's hard to believe that something better will happen. So you think something worse is gonna happen, and normally it does. And that's where you get the spiral. And that's what I was so I succumbed to. That was what was it's so easy. When you're down, all you see is the bad. You know, when you're up, all you see is the good. It's how you, you know, you you make a fool out of yourself because yeah. you only mm-hmm. see one thing, mm-hmm. you know? Now, when did you start seeing the light? When did you start, you know, realizing I'm, I'm much more than a baseball player? You know, I'm much more recently. than... Recently. Okay, so Very if you want to get into that, you know, I'd love to hear what you, what your journey is. So I'm going to tie it back. I'm going to go back a little bit. To right okay. after I finished rehabbing. Okay. And I got to play summer. And I got to 
I was supposed to play senior year, then COVID happened, um, which whatever. Um, I've come to terms with missing out. I didn't get like all of, any of the senior stuff I didn't get, mm-hmm. you know? And did at the end of the day, do I think it was important? Eh, high school wasn't the most fun experience of my life, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm sure it, it isn't for most people. Um, but after that, so I went and played a year of community college. Um, I worked and my parents went through a divorce. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. It was, it was ugly. It was very ugly. Um, my dad actually, after they, it became known that they wanted to separate or that, you know, whatever they were going to separate. Um, they, my dad slept on the couch for a couple months and it was uncomfortable. Oh, it was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, very uncomfortable. And I think there was a lot of burden put on the kids. None of us, we're all kind of built the same way in the sense that we're not going to show you there's something wrong. I mean, I never knew. You know, we were very close. We still yeah. are very close. Yeah, like, yeah. I, you I, know, you know everything. Yeah. And I just, it's, I don't, I like to internalize things. I like mm-hmm. to do that. And you can do that if you know how to deal with it within yourself. You know, and the second you start to, to fail or falter, lean on somebody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, a therapist. It doesn't yeah. have to be your mom. Mm-hmm. It can be your friend exactly. to just listen to you and be like, look, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how it feels, but I got your back. Mm-hmm. You need me totally. to do something. You let me know, you know? And yes. I think that was the most, one of the most important things I learned from it is that you just, when you're surrounded by good people and you surround yourself with the right people too, it makes the a world of a difference. It makes the hard, the bad, hard days more enjoyable. It yeah. actually makes them enjoyable mm-hmm. because the struggle is, you know, as difficult as it can be sometimes, you may not find enjoyment in that moment, but you'll be able to look back a week later and be like, I actually, I didn't, like, you start to feel better. You notice you feel better. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? All right. In the future, I'm going to be more joking about it yeah. because he was right. It was going to get better, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. something like that. Yes. And, you know, to bring it back to what you had asked before, when did I start to see the light? Well, before that, actually, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, I would like to get into, you know, how you did feel and what you did do during the divorce. I know there's definitely people who are listening who have experienced that or maybe are going through that. Divorce is at at an all-time high. Yeah. At an all-time high, you know. And I, this, I I just, it's difficult. It's really difficult. I buried myself in, I just made myself busy. I worked 80 hours a week. Wow. At a bar in Long Beach and uh, 60 to 80, depending. I played baseball and I had four college classes. On top of that, the divorce was going on. And I I also ended up getting kicked out of my mom's house a couple of times because of arguments. And they just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And there was a point I didn't talk to her for, I don't even remember. I think it was right around two months. And how did that make your, your mental health? You know, how did oh, you feel? Oh, horrible, horrible horrible um i tried to hide it i tried to bury myself in other things excuse me sorry so i I buried myself in other things um i got into relationships with people um that i should have i tried to tell myself i was happy in certain scenarios certain relationships with certain people that i just wasn't and that was because i wanted a relationship 
or I wanted a sense of not being alone. A sense of not necessarily being alone because I didn't, I don't know if I felt, oh no, you're right. I was alone. You probably had that same feeling. It was that same feeling. And I've tried to always bury myself in, in a relationship when I do feel alone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's the, that was the hardest point. Let's say in my October to December of this past year was really facing that. And I've, I've pulled myself out of that bad habit. And so after I managed to do that, it, it made a huge difference because I actually was forced to sit down and almost look at myself in the mirror because I couldn't blame other people for my insecurities anymore. I couldn't do any of that. I just, I had to sit down and face it. And do I think that, you know, the divorce hurt in a lot of ways? Yes. But I think it's helped more than it's hurt at the end of the day. Because, you know, everything you go through, you're forced to grow from it. Or you get stuck in it. And yes, people get stuck in things for a very long time. But I don't like being stuck. If I feel like I'm stuck in something, I want to go. I want to leave. And so when I was burying myself in the work, just the nonstop, I was was barely sleep at night. I didn't want to sleep. I wasn't, I couldn't sleep, you know? And that is, that's just, you know, byproduct of what happened. And was it unhealthy? Yes. Do I think that it had its time and place? Yes, I think it did. Because you need to, I guess, grieve or you need to go through the emotions. You need to go through the totally. process. Yeah. But you can't get discouraged in it. No. And I think that's what happens a lot these days. And I think that's where it kind of ties back into like the social media and the phones and the constant staring at screens is you expect things to be a certain way because that's what you see. Mm-hmm. When you put things in front of you on social media where people appear to make their lives perfect, you don't know what's going on. No one has life figured out. No one knows what they're doing. They all make you think they do. And once you accept that and once you realize that, you become a lot more forgiving and understanding. And, you know, one thing my parents would do that, you know, they don't do anymore. And I kind of let it take its course. But they would both come to me and they came to my sister as well, almost like little therapists that they could just kind of rent to when they needed. And it takes a toll. It takes a huge toll. And it, it, that was the harder part was that I had both my parents coming to me about the other one. How do I do that? Yeah, how do you, how does, how does, how does anyone do that? Yeah. You know, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that's had to deal with that. Probably not. No. You know? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's common with divorced families. Yeah. I'm sure where, yeah. you know, one parent complains to their kid about the other one. And Is it a natural thing to do when you're mad at someone or you're upset with someone? Yes. But it affects, you know, if there's any parents out there in doing this, it affects your kid. They may not tell you it will, but it affects your kid. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, were we able to move past that, me and my parents? Yes. And I've actually had a lot better of a relationship with both of my parents individually now because of everything that happened. And it's forced them to reflect on themselves And I think they're in a process of growing, but it's also helped me because now I know 
you know, I got to watch everything they went through. Do I think that their whole marriage, you know, was a bad marriage? No. Do I think that there are elements of things that they could have done better? Yes. And I think that's what made me grow as a person because I took that almost as a lesson in itself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was the biggest change for me, actually, was, you know, you just have to find a way to look at something positively. And is this where you started to see the light? Yeah. Yes. I actually, I started to see the light when I left. So I played, uh, before I got hurt again, I was playing a month of summer ball in Myrtle Beach and I got to be away from home. I lived in a, an apartment with like 10 other dudes and we just had fun and it was stress-free. And I started to see like how things should be, how, you know, relationships, friendships, whatever are supposed to work. You know, you're going to have your disagreements. You're going to have, you know, we got into arguments, but we live with each other and we had to make it work. Even if it was just for a month, we made it work. Were we all perfect? No. But I learned how things should be. I learned, you know, I through watching other people's parents who had healthy relationships, you know, what, sh what are the healthy ways of doing things? What are the unhealthy ways of doing things? And it started to give me the idea that, you know, there's bad out there, but you're only going to, you're going to be stuck in the bad if that's all you may let yourself see. Mm -hmm. You need to see the good in, the, in things that are going on. Even in the worst of days, pick up one thing that you can learn. One thing that may help you. A question that you had that you didn't know you had. Just sit there and think. That's mm -hmm. all you have to do. Yeah. You just sit there and think. And it showed me how things were supposed to be. And then it started to, it almost got the ball rolling in the right direction. Yeah. Where now it's just, it's a continuous process of building up more and more and more as, as you go, where now I'm at a lot better of a place. I'm a lot more calm. I'm more relaxed. I'm, you're at peace. Almost. I'm at peace with yeah. the way things work. Yeah. And do I know how everything goes? Do no. I know the way things are going to go? Yes. You just yeah. have to be accepting. Mm -hmm. Like on the way here, I got really tested. Mm -hmm. I drove back with my dog. She mm -hmm. threw up all over the backseat multiple times. Mm -hmm. You know, the people that drive from New York to, to South Florida know it can be a long drive, mm -hmm. you know, anywhere from like 16 to 18 hours. If you, you know, you're not breaking the speed, speed limit a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, before it took us seven hours to make it out of Florida, <laughs> which is nearly double the time that it took or it normally takes. And then, you know, an hour after that, I got a $300 speeding ticket. Normally I would just be pissed off and angry and just ready to kill somebody. But something was different. I didn't as annoyed as and stressed out as I may have been. I wasn't angry. I wasn't upset and I was still enjoying it. I was still enjoying the drive. Yeah. I was enjoying hanging out with my roommate who I drove back with. And I think that was, that right there was the biggest change that I've noticed in myself through all, everything is, I was just, I was able to move on past my normal reactions that I've had in the past to almost be this newer person who just under, I understand that, you know, I may not have the answers to everything. I may be tested at times and things just don't go my way. You know, and that's just the way it works. Now, is there any advice you would like to give anybody listening, you know, people who've gone through something similar to you or, you know, just some advice that you would, you know, if somebody were to come up to you and ask you these questions? 
you just you have to sit there sometimes in silence and face it and it's not fun it's not easy you're not going to know what you're doing but the best thing you can do you know outside of speaking to somebody obviously because excuse me sorry i think the first thing you should do when you're struggling is just let someone know you're struggling you never know if they've faced it it can be a therapist I think therapy is a great tool, excuse me, with the right therapist. Um, I think there are therapists out there that may not connect with you, and that's not their fault. That's not your fault. You know, just sometimes you don't connect with a person, and it makes it uncomfortable for you to really, really open up. And really, not even just open up, you have to be willing to try new things. You have to be willing to try the things they suggest. If you don't like it, don't be afraid to say, I don't want to keep doing this. Because at the end of the day, the only thing you have to live with is your mind and what you think. Because when all said and done and, you know, whenever we all are set to move on from this life and we all pass away, your last moments, the things that you're really going to worry about are... One, do you have any regrets, which is a whole nother conversation, you know? <laughs> yeah. And two is, you know, are you happy? And a lot of that comes from kind of trying trying the new things and getting uncomfortable and forcing yourself to grow. And it seems like you've really learned to understand that, which is which is awesome. Or at least you're trying, you're making that step. Yeah, to... I don't think we'll ever fully understand. Yeah. It. You know, there's people out there who are very, very intellectual and very very smart and study this stuff and even they don't know it all but those people are the people you know I, i'd go to youtube when i was really down i went to youtube and i just there are times i just you know 10 best habits of successful people or how to pull yourself out of a rut or you know things of that nature um and it's just it's the was is that going to work for someone else no it may it, yeah, but you just have to go with what you feel is right. You know, at the end of the day, you trust your gut. If you're upset about something, you don't like the way it looks or the way someone makes you feel, make it known. Don't sit there and let it boil inside. Totally. Share totally. what you say, what you want to say. Don't be afraid to say mm-hmm. it. And that's the thing. There don't be afraid to feel it. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid to feel a certain exactly. way. Exactly. You know? to, you have to understand that not all feelings at that same time are going to be right Mm -hmm. because you can feel wrong about things, right? Your feeling can be wrong, but the only thing you know to do is trust that feeling. And so trust it, you Mm -hmm. know, see where it takes you. Is there anything else you would like to say or touch upon that we missed out on before we end? Don't get down on yourself. Just keep your head up and keep pushing because life ebbs and flows. You're going to have bad times and you're going to have good times. The bad times make you appreciate the good times more. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you, know? you so much for coming on. I yeah, really my appreciate pleasure. this. I learned a lot about myself. Good, and I'm glad. And I hope a lot of people can self-reflect and do the same yeah. thing. And if, you know, even these podcasts have helped me. You have sent me some of the ones that you haven't released yet. And just listening to them for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, once or twice, just playing it on repeat and really listening and saying, how does that apply to me? has made more of a difference actually than anything I've just any one habit that I've had. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And that's you're doing good work. Thank you. (laughs) And I hope I wish nothing but the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. And 
I hope everybody listening, this really helps you in some way. Um, Thank you so much. I hope everyone enjoyed. Thank you guys so much for listening. And don't forget to check out Dark Angel Company on Instagram at DarkAngelCo and online at DarkAngelCo.com. If you're interested in supporting and spreading awareness towards bringing light to a dark topic together, then tune in next time.